Welcome to the Peace Building Podcast. Join host Susan Coleman as she interviews today's most creative, courageous, and sometimes outrageous mediators, coaches, entrepreneurs, and out-of-the-box thinkers, whose work, whether intended or not, is building peace. Tune in for 45 minutes of pure inspiration as we explore the best stories, the best practices, the best ideas of a new world emerging. Here is your host, global consultant, coach, facilitator, and mediator, Susan Coleman. Lindsay, hey, this is Susan Coleman. I'm so glad to have you as a guest on the Peace Building Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me here. It's really a pleasure. I have Lindsay Cornelio, who, that's, I'm pronouncing your last name right, right? Yes. Cornelio. And Lindsay um, recently completed a master's degree in peacemaking and peace building in New York, at, at New York University where she conducted original research on peace building and positive psychology. She was previously an English teacher in Argentina and Chile. She is currently focused on human rights and community building in Bushwick, Brooklyn, where she lives and which I think you are hailing from right now as we speak. Is that right? Yes, I am. (laughs) And Lindsay has an M. She ended up getting an MS in in peacemaking and peace building from NYU and is a consultant to UN Women Peace and Security. Is that all? Yes. That's all right. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, and you are um, you are. um, Well, I don't ever know. uh, You're in your 20s, somewhere in your 20s. a young, bold woman who has put a stake in the ground around peace building, which is really moving to me and really interesting. Uh, and I'm curious about wanting to know more about that. So um, anything else you want to, well, you want to say hi and anything else you want to say about your, uh, just the general bio that I just read, anything else that you think is worth adding to that? Um. Yeah, well, that was, uh, you know, definitely a good um, summary of where I just came from and and where I am. Um, I essentially, I come from a, a psychology background. That's what I did in my, my undergraduate. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's definitely why the peacemaking and peace building field felt very... Uh, sort of organic to me, you know, the very relationship-centric approach um, to to understanding the world and to understanding global affairs. Um, and right now I'm still um, exploring that uh, in, in terms of um, entering into the peace-building field on my career path, how to use uh, that psychological lens um, in counseling and coaching, mediation, group facilitation, and whether or not to go on with a PhD. So I'm just exploring right now a little bit. Yeah, that's really curious to me. I mean, I, I guess I'm interested in you. Maybe you could define what peace, what you think of when you think of peace building. What would be your definition of it? Or a working definition <clears throat> doesn't have to be the perfect definition, but just a, you know how you would define it. So um, to me, peace building. Um, 
which is, you know, something that I, I still, as you said, working definition, I'm, I'm still, you know, constantly evolving this, this definition. But to me, it's about... Um, well, I think that's fair because this field is a, constant, is, a, is a relatively new field and being shaped and molded by all of you, all of us who are, who are participating in it, I think, is a fair statement. Yes, absolutely, and thank you for saying that. It is, it's definitely there's a, a semantic, uh, you know, debate still about what what peace building is and um, uh, how it can en encompass so many things while still being its own, you know, niche field. But um, I think that to me, it's really about, um, as I said, it's it, relationships being central. It's about building. Uh, relationships, um, whether it's from previously uh, fractured relationships or or building new ones and taking whatever problem or issue that you are looking at, it's seeing how relationships and the way that people relate to one another um, can is at the core of whatever this problem it is, whether it be economic or political or cultural, what's the relationship aspect of that? And what can, what can we do to improve uh, interpersonal or, or group relationships or structural relationships in order to make this particular problem better in some way? That's kind of the, the, the very basic way that I see peace building. <laughs> so can you, it's, this is real, can you say something about, it's, it, you know, it's, you have this background in psychology. What, what kind of psychology? What was the, what, what brand of psychology was it? it? Just general psychology. So that was your BA, you, mm -hmm. you yep. had, your focus was, and, and can you say something about the, like, so the, the, the transition from, psychology as your BA focus to peace building what 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 you know what attracted you you know what was the where did it first get on your radar and and uh, and then how did you make the links between your background and uh, I guess what I'm trying to ask is you know why how did it draw you in how did peace building draw you in what was the process well um Basically, after I finished my um, degree, I, uh, you know, became an, an ESL teacher. I had started to work with um, Burmese refugees when I was um, in Vermont still in school, and I started developing... In Burlington, right? Cause, yep, cause in Burlington, that's, Burlington's Vermont, a, yep. Burlington's an amazingly diverse city, right? Because it has huge numbers of... What do they call it as a city? It's a... It's a, it's a Yes. A refugee resettlement um, right. area. Yes, yes. just yeah, in the, in the middle of Vermont, where yes. you would least expect it. Right. So I was I was doing that and um, started doing some traveling, and it opened up this. Oh my! I want to do something in global affairs. You know, I I have to. I I was teaching in Argentina and Chile for a little while, as you mentioned. And I said, okay, so I'm going to do something in international development, something humanitarian. And I went into this global affairs program as my master's degree without knowing exactly what my concentration, what my, my niche would be. And um, I ended up uh, taking some courses in 
peacemaking and peace building, which is a, a concentration um, at NYU's Center for Global Affairs, not really knowing what, in, what it entailed. Um, and I think that once I was in, in those classes, as I um, was sort of alluding to earlier, the, the discussion that got down to, uh, you know, looking at the world um, and looking at a, at a conflict um, in, in particular, um, from the way that people uh, perceive one another. We started talking about perception and uh, the way that people interact with one another and um, peace-building interventions that uh, involved dialogue um, and um, basically... I really connected to this this idea of trying to solve um, solve issues of conflict or uh, political violence or development by changing the way that people perceived and behaved towards one another. Um, um, amongst other things, because mm -hmm. the peace building field, you know, often when, when we do a, a, a conflict assessment, it's very, it's holistic that, you know, it's, it's about looking at, um, you know, the, the social factors, political factors, economic factors, but I felt very, very much connected to that, that emphasis on, uh, basic human interaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. Um, and, but I, I'm actually interested even in going back a little further, uh, you know, how, if you, if you, it's always interesting to ask people, what do you think the seeds in your growing years, where were the seeds that were sown that had you attracted to global affairs and then to psychology and then to peace building? What would you, if, could you say anything about that? Like, where did you grow up? What, what were the influences that actually made this something that, uh, I mean, I saw you just now, I'm looking at you. I know the listeners can't look at you, but when you start talking about global affairs, you, you just lit up, you know? <laughs> and uh, so what, was, what, what were those seeds that got planted that got you drawn in that direction? I, I think that definitely um, my, my family um, always, they brought me up to be, very compassionate um, to think to think of others to to be a good listener uh, more than a good speaker. Um, not that they didn't encourage me to to vocalize um, yeah. my my thoughts and be confident. Yeah, you said um, you you do public speaking. It sounds like yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Not mm -hmm. professionally, but I would say I'm, I'm comfortable if I have to do it. Um, and um, so they, they, they really had really ingrained that in me um, growing up to, to think about other people and to, to think about the world, to acknowledge, you know, what was happening out, outside of my uh, my bubble, I guess. Um, and 
you know, so that's how I had that initial attraction to psychology and just sort of the, the helping profession, I guess I would say. And then it was really um, when I, uh, I think, at University of Vermont. Um, Is that, that was where you got your BA? Yep. When I sort of uh, intersected with people that were, I would say, maybe globally minded um that inspired something in me to then go out and 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 travel and I went to Ecuador uh, by myself when I was um 18 for a month and wonderful it just it it opened up something uh in do, you speak, me. do you speak Spanish yes I do mm-hmm. that's always a good thing Yo también. Oh, yo, be, viví, uh, uh, yo viví en Colombia por. No, no, I don't think we should. Oh, okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so um, so let's see. So uh, so some of those things. It sounds like your your family. You had a very uh, not an egocentric. Uh, influences, but maybe what I'll call ecocentric. That's I think that's a Otto Scharmer. You know, I don't know if you know him at MIT. He's been doing a lot of work in presence and different kinds of interventions in countries. And but anyway, sounds like you had the, the early early on. You got uh, the ability to step out of your own shoes and get beyond yourself and see not just uh, see, have your circle of concern be be fairly wide from your parents' influence. And so then when global affairs uh, came up and then peace building came onto your radar through the NYU program, you really could make some links between a way that you could um, actually be relational in the context of, of um, international development and international relations. Yes, ab- absolutely. That, that's kind of the, yeah, the evolution. So, so tell us a little bit about the program itself and uh, what you thought about it. What were, you know, any, any things that you loved, what you loved about it, what you didn't like so much about it. Any comments about, about the program, the global affairs program? Well, your concentration in peace. The, the name of the concentration was peace building and peacemaking, right? That was... Yeah, flipped flipped around. Yeah, peacemaking and peace building. Yes, which you don't, you know, you do not find uh, very many academic right. programs that um, that use that that kind of language. Um, uh, it's it's led um, by by Thomas Hill, um, and he um, is absolutely wonderful and amazing professor um and definitely had to do with some of the you know the inspiration um that I felt uh, because he's so he's so passionate about about peace building um but it, um it's definitely uh a really really wonderful program I think that it's um it takes a very Uh, well-rounded approach to giving so all you know all students through core courses they they really get to see um, a little bit of of every uh, sort of concentration within global affairs a little bit of um, development of human rights um, of private sector of international relations of peace building and then you know and then you sort of dive into your your concentration um and I I would say if 
if anything, it's just um, two years just doesn't seem like enough, um, which is just the nature of most master's degrees. I, I've been telling uh, people recently that in some uh, strange uh, way, doing my master's degree made me feel more confused um, than, uh, you know, feeling like I'm making sense of the world and, and what I'm doing. And I think it's because just after those two years, it was really at the end that I was saying, okay, I, I think that, you know, this is, this is really my, my thing. And this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's a lot. It's very dense. Um, and it's a lot to take in and to process in such a short amount of time. And, um, well, you know, I think in general, I, I think that this whole, you know, learning is, is a lifelong process. That sounds so, mm -hmm. so whatever quaint, but it really is so true. And I think about my own journey. I, I've gone through so many different chapters and I've been in this process of learning and growth from the beginning. And I, and I, and I'm doing it again. I just feel like I'm just constantly opening doors to new learning and bringing in, bringing in things that I learned before. They're all integrating. Um, but, uh, but the idea that one master's program would kind of be it, you know, and that you'd be cooked and done. And, you know, it's like, in some ways it's great that it did leave you more confused. I know it doesn't feel great probably, <laughs> but, um, but the world is so complex and it probably makes sense that it's something to be confused about, I think, to figure out how to use oneself and to move forward in some way that makes sense and makes a difference is, um, is complicated. Complicated and, uh, and good for you for just being in the fire. I mean, I like Brene Brown. Uh, I don't know if you know her. Uh, she's uh, gotten a lot of attention recently, but she often quotes Theodore Roosevelt about the man in the arena, you know, and, and daring greatly. And it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who you are, but if you're in the arena, you know, that's what counts. And, and uh, you have really put yourself right in the arena by making, you know, taking this on as your banner and uh, doing work in the peace building field. So um, kudos to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've only just begun to sort of experiment, uh, I would say, so. Yeah, so, <laughs> so who? Has to start somewhere. <laughs> who was in the program? How, how many people, where'd they come from? Um, how, how diverse was it? Uh, you know, the, the program is incredibly diverse, which is, uh, you know, definitely something I, I didn't mention before as, as being, uh, you know, a, a really, really great characteristic. There were students from all over the world, um, a whole, you know, range of ages right out of undergraduate up to, um, you know, late, late 30s, early 40s. Um, and there were, um, in, in the global affairs uh, program, around a couple hundred um, students in the, yeah. in the program, and then each, you know, in our own concentrations, yeah. a, a slightly smaller group. So. so super exciting. So super exciting. So, okay, so I want to get, uh, just because time, it's always, you know, these podcasts, you kind of have to pay attention yes. to it, and it just moves on. Um, and, um, you know, I asked you to think about a, a piece of work that you have done that you'd be interested in sharing with the listeners or two, or two, whatever. Um, and I, and I don't know exactly, I have some idea what you're going to talk about, but not exactly. And, uh, so, um, and I know you did, you, you started doing some work as part of your 
master's program, but I'll let you I'll let you tell the tale or what or what you know whatever you want to talk about. I'm I'm all ears and really looking forward to what you want to share. Okay, well I have um, a lot to say, so you know feel free to please jump in okay. uh, whenever you want to ask a, a question. Um, so for my um, well, let me start in saying that I in living here in Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn. I definitely, um, since I moved here a couple years ago, have felt, um, you know, a, a pretty a deep connection with the with the community here, and I was, you know, noticing um, some ways that the, the you know the community was changing in the midst of, of gentrification, which I you know was part of. Actually, um, maybe you you could back up. And even say, because listeners are from all over the place. Yes. So, you know, where is Bushwick? How, you know, who is Bushwick in the context of New York City and of Brooklyn? Could you say anything about that just to orient us to to uh, what neighborhood you're talking about? Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I'm no, no. Ahead no of myself. So um, it is uh, a neighborhood um, in, in northern Brooklyn. Um, and it is has it changed and, Bro- uh, and brooklyn is one of the boroughs of new york city brooklyn is one of the boroughs yes yeah um here i am again that's no, okay jumping okay. jumping heads so yes so please stop me um and this neighborhood um for the last 30 some odd years has been a a predominantly uh lower income neighborhood. Um, and it's also been for, for about 20 years now, predominantly Spanish speaking, um, about, and right now about 70% of the, the population speaks Spanish in this neighborhood. Um, and as most of, of Brooklyn, um, well, I shouldn't say most, but a good portion of Brooklyn now is is gentrifying their higher income residents moving into many of the neighborhoods that were previously uh, predominantly low income. And, uh, you know, there's all, all sorts of, uh, you know, cultural displacement, residential displacement, um, and also, you know, good and bad effects. There's, there's development, um, you know, less, less violence in many areas. There, there's good and, and bad things happening here with gentrification. That's a whole, you know, uh, debate in and of itself. Um, but things are certainly changing and that's what's occurring right now, um, in Bushwick. Um, it's definitely rapidly gentrifying. And so during, um, my my program, my master's degree, when it came time to do my my thesis, um, I wanted to do something in my neighborhood. I, I felt, as I said, I, I felt very connected to the neighborhood and I wanted to do something that I could really dive into. Um, it, not that there isn't value in going to another country for a short period of time, but I, I wanted it to be something more, uh, sustainable. Um, so, 
Uh, how I, often, I, by the way, do you speak Spanish daily? I mean, you know, how often each day or each week do, are you finding yourself speaking in Spanish in your neighborhood? I, I speak it a, a little bit every day, I would say, mm-hmm. just here in, at the, on the street, at the mm-hmm. bodega. And then, you know, I'm in, I uh, participate in a couple different community-based organizations where, you know, during a weekly meeting, I'm conversing entirely um, in Spanish. So, um, yes, it's very, yeah, very prominent language and, and culture here. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so I, I decided essentially to look at, for my thesis, look at the peace and conflict dynamics um, around gentrification in my neighborhood, you know, sort of looking at how the longtime community and the newer residents were sort of perceiving one another and um, interacting with one another, Um, you know, sometimes which would be about socioeconomic status, but also sometimes about race, um, some, you know, generational differences too. gender differences as well. So I, I did um, an assessment uh, of this, a systemic assessment. I, I observed, I conducted um, interviews, um, I read, uh, you know. Sorry, when you say I, systemic uh, assessment, mm-hmm. could you say a little bit more about that? Yes, so um, what I did was, so I used um, Robert Risigliano's, um, who, who is a peace building practitioner, I used his systemic um, conflict assessment and, and peace building uh, planning guide. And essentially, um, what that looks at, um, and really it's designed for somebody that is spending a very long period of time looking mm-hmm. at a particular context. I did a very abridged version of it, but it looks at kind of like an entire map of a social system. And it yeah. looks at all of these structures yeah. um, and which includes um, co- uh, political structures uh, uh, cultural structures, economic structures, um, and then it also it looks at uh, attitudes um, and transactions, which are in uh, you know more uh, comprehensible terminology. Just means the way that key key people in a, in a social system are uh, relating and interacting with one another and the way that the rest of the population um, feels about one another and behaves towards one another and how all of these things converge. So basically how people's people and structures converge um, in a social system. It's, it's very complex and I would, you know, I have a... A, a hard time trying to... It's okay. I might ask you to give me a reference so we can put it in the show notes so that people can actually go take a look at what you're talking... I don't know. People can take a look at what you're talking about, but um, whether there's a book or something, but... Um, there, yep. There, there is a book. Um, yes. It's called Making uh, Making Peace Last. Okay. Yep. Robert Rossigliano. Um, and... 
yes, I would, I would highly recommend it. Okay. Um, so I tried to make my assessment um, as, as systemic uh, uh, as possible. And um, from that assessment, I designed um, an, inter an intervention, you would call it. So in, instead of just writing about my analysis, I wanted to get out there and, and try to do something. So what did you, did, what did you call it? Did you call it an intervention or did you, what did you call it? I did, I did call it um, an intervention. I um, hate that word, but I, I haven't come know, up. I struggle with it too. <laughs> I wanted to say, you know, project or initiative, um, but yes, that's what it ended up being ca called in the, in the title of, of my work. Um, but Yes, I have. I feel the same way about you. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's an issue. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an issue of being humble about it because it's obviously one system coming up, you know, moving into a different system to try and create a shift or change. And as long as there's, I guess, as long as there's humility about that process and there's service in that process, maybe I don't mind the word so much. But it does have this kind of militaristic overtone or something that. But I've never found a different. I don't have a, a better word at the moment, um, so I still use it. I, I'm completely, um, you know, on the same page as you. And I, I guess I, I would just say, um, I've, I call it my project. That's that's really, <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know. But um, <laughs> so uh, what I I did, um, and I, I guess that um, what I'm excited about. Um, in, in this project, um, as I, as you mentioned in my bio, this was designed, aside from using the Rosigliano's uh, systemic assessment, I designed my project using um, positive psychology theories. Um, so I used primarily um, a, a, a theory that's called intentional change theory, which um, was developed by Richard Boyatzis at, mm -hmm. at Case University, mm -hmm. um, and another interrelated theory, appreciative inquiry, mm -hmm. which you're probably familiar with. David Cooper. David Cooper. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Also at Case Western. Mm -hmm. um, and it, when they they come together in their basic form, they they say that human beings basically learn and, and connect with one another more greatly through positive emotion than negative emotion. That would be how to summarize. My, my shortened together. version of this is you get a lot more with honey than you do with vinegar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I was very interested in the intentional change theory, which I'll refer to as ICT sometimes, it, it actually explains this um, through the, the activation of the parasympathetic nervous system yeah. when, when we have positive emotion, which increases learning, creativity, receptivity, motivation. Parasympathetic and, is the involuntary or the voluntary? I always get them confused. Um, that oh boy! Now I'm I'm not sure if you can quote me. I'm I'm a bad psychology student right now. That I am not. <laughs> not to worry. I it's it, maybe it's a, a digression. Not not important. But we know it's there's the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, and one's voluntary and one's involuntary. And yeah. 
Yes. Yikes. You got me. Um, okay. But <laughs> no worries. <laughs> this um, this response um, by the effects that it it creates it changes how people interact with one another first because they're more open to learning from one another and about one another but also through the process of contagion and sharing of of positive emotion through contagion which is essentially when we see someone behaving a certain way that expresses um, a particular emotion our physiological response um, essentially copies uh, the, the response that their body is producing that mm-hmm. creates that emotion. So mm-hmm. then we end up feeling uh, that emotion mm-hmm. itself. So um, anyway, when we step back, we look at places where spaces where uh, there are conflicting groups, uh, where there's war, Uh, protracted conflict, there's a much greater, broadly speaking, greater activation of the sympathetic nervous system response, the stress, fear, fight or flight response, which is good for problem solving logic, but inhibits our connective capacity. Mm -hmm. So I uh, became interested in designing um, a, a project in creating a space where I could invoke this parasympathetic nervous system response and see what it would do for uh, the way that people interact with one another. Uh So um, essentially, I I created um, a large community event uh, that was called Celebra Bushwick, which means celebrate Bushwick. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the, the main component of the project. And then I also started um, a small uh, dialogue session called Connecting Community, which was sort of the secondary component of this project. And <clears throat> both of these spaces were built, um, you know, through through their activities and their format and their design, and then in in the dialogue, in the questions that were asked, to create this positive emotion, and in particular, through uh, feelings of of active appreciation of of who the community is. And also um, active creation of who the community wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, aspirational. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yep, exactly. Um, so, uh, and, and this, this went into, in, in terms of the, the event, um, I, I, there were all different um, community-based organizations that, that set up at the event. Um, they, there were different tables. There were 22 organizations. How did, did you had, organize this all yourself? Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. I did organize. I've never planned an event before. Um, and I, yes, I organized this. Um, I had <laughs> 22 organizations participate. <clears throat> How did you get and, them to come? How did you convince them to well, come? So it, it basically took me a lot of, you know, emailing and, and reaching out. But yeah. that was 
what was really, you know, the most successful was going to places myself. And mm. when I would speak to one person, they would connect me to another person and mm. I would go to that person myself. I had some success, you know, through through the emailing, but it was really in, in going and talking to people. Right. Um, having that real face-to-face interaction. Um, and so... <clears throat> Probably the best in any community, and yeah. super the best in a Latin community. If it was if it was majority, the majority was a Latin. It was a Latin neighborhood predominantly. The folks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> the idea was to have is uh, meant you know organizations that represented all different uh, identity groups participating. Okay. So sort of in instead the, of doing it, you did some kind of stakeholder analysis or something yeah. like that. And yep. Yeah. yeah. That was essentially part of the, you know, the systemic assessment that I had mm-hmm. to do kind of, you know, making that difficult uh, decision about what groups there are and what identities right. they belong to and so right. which can get hairy. But um, <clears throat> so I, you know, recruited all these organizations to participate. And so some of them uh, set up tables around. We're in a, a huge gymnasium um, at a, a community center called Hope Gardens Community Center, which is here in Bushwick, um, run by the Coalition for Hispanic Family Services. How did you get the, the funding for the space? Um, so everything uh, was was free. Wow. I was able to miraculously find... Uh, you know, this organization that was willing to, to let me use their space, Mm -hmm. even though I had never planned an event before. Um, they, they supported what I was doing. Uh (laughs) So, Uh um, so it, it was a beautiful space. Um, we, you know, we had tables and the idea was for, uh, these tablers to pass out resources um, and information about what they were doing. It was all organizations that were doing positive things for the community for different populations. Um, and then some of these organizations performed. Um, there were several different performers. We had, you know, two church groups perform. We had... Um, two different uh, local youth uh, sort of hip-hop groups performing as well. Um, We had um, an individual singer. Um, Yeah, and then we also had speakers as well. So different, these different community organizations, there was a representative that would come up and speak about their work and tell stories. Um, And there was also food as well too. So um, I had different restaurants um, provide samples of some of their cuisine. I was this is so key, you know. Different, absolutely. <laughs> you get the food in there, and suddenly you have a really good. And event. you have everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> and I also um, advertised it as a potluck as well, too. So people people brought food as well, and uh, the the whole idea was to get people, um, you know, not only just interacting and exchanging across, uh, you know, cultural 
lines, but to feel that feeling of um, celebration and appreciation for for the community. Um, you know, in a time when people, many people, are feeling downtrodden about uh, what's happening in the neighborhood and out of you know right. a loss of of control. Um, you know, to feel like, wow, there are so many people that are doing really amazing, positive work in, in this community. Um, and, you know, that, that, was, that was really the point of it. And then also to engage in activities together. I, I set up um, art activities that were about um, creating uh, murals and depictions of hope and, you know, the community that we, that we want. Um, What's really moving to me about this is that, of course, when there's diminishing resources and there's more competition, we know that identity group, uh, different groups, uh, different people with I- different identities, they tend to get pitted against one, any- against one any- another. And uh, and often end up in identity group conflict. And you did exact. You sort of went through and at a time. I mean, I'm assuming that's what was going on with the gentrification. But you you basically did exactly the opposite. You brought together all these different uh, stakeholder groups of different identities. I don't know if they were broken down exactly like that. And you started weaving threads between all of them or bringing them together so that they could break bread together, connect with each other, be hopeful together. Um, really, it's beautiful, beautiful thing that you did. I thank, thank you, thank you very much. And that was um, exactly the idea, but to, you know, to create the the right conditions uh, for it, not just to you know stick people uh, in a, in a room together. Mm. Um, and uh, it, you know, from what um, my analysis. Um, really suggest, you know, I did, I had evaluations, were in evaluations, um, interviews, um, and, and videotapes. And of course, because this was part of my thesis, I had to go through, you know, the very, uh, you know, diligent process of coding all this information and rigorous analysis, which was, you know, in good now in retrospect it was it was a a process of course but you know I could really see that there was some sort of of tangible impact um first of all um there were relationships that were that were built through this event um that I know um continue today you know ones that transcend um, identity baselines and and others that that don't um, and there were like a couple different organizations that um, have started projects of their own with a similar theme because they were inspired by it or have wow. you know that want to make their their group more inclusive mm-hmm. for that reason um, and you know these these evaluations what people wrote it was so so touching to see people writing things like wow like we we can come together we can we can uh you know transcend these lines of 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 race of culture of religion um there was like this this real feeling of empowerment that i was um getting from a lot of these evaluations like mm-hmm. we can do this and look at mm-hmm. look at all you know 
all the, the resources and amazing people that are, that are part of our community. Um, you know, we're, we're in this together and just that, that sense of, of hope, um, and efficacy that I was, I was hoping, um, to, to create. Um, and, you know, granted this was not a controlled experimental design, you know, but this is the generally what I was, I was getting, um, from, from my data and the, the dialogue session that I, I held, it was the day after the event. Um, and it was an intended to, uh, essentially assess gentrification, um, and do some sort of strategic planning, but also in a, within a positive framework and, you know, not, we're just going to sit, sit and talk about, you know, the root causes of our, our division, but again, okay, what's, where, what are the spaces and places that are already bringing people together? And why is that, why is that even important? Okay. And so what can we do to, to bolster those, um, those resources or those spaces? Um, and, you know, the, the, the dialogue session also, I mean, it didn't go exactly as I, um, had anticipated or, or what does when you get a whole bunch of people together? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course that's completely fair. The, the event didn't, (laughs) the event didn't either, but, um, what I would say is that, um, because it f- immediately followed the event and people were were talking about that at the beginning and um you know the the questions were were framed uh, you know in a more positive way which i was uh, intending to it's it seemed that it helped people to be real and to get their uh their authentic feelings out on the table, you know, even if they were more negative, but for the space to remain feeling very safe. Um, and that's another thing that I found from those evaluations yeah. and that, that dialogue session, um, is that it, it felt good for pe- for people to be able to, to just express that authenticity, but it never came out, um, for anyone to be, offensive or, or harsh. Um, and it seemed to be more constructive. And I, I like to think that it was because, you know, of this positive design that I was trying to create, but Hey, you know, I think I, I, you know, I think in terms of this podcast and in general, I, I, I think in terms of liberating structures, you know, or containers, can we create containers where uh, we've created conditions where people are going to intersect and build relationships in the most uh, life-affirming ways. I, I think we really have the capacity to do that and, and to pay attention to what we're doing, um, what kind of containers, you know, whether they be you know, an event container like you created or, or even a, a building container. I mean, there's, oh, those, those containers really make a difference to what ends up happening at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, boy, this is such an interesting story. And uh, this is part of the, what's a little frustrating about this podcast is that, that I also am paying attention to the time a bit and noticing oh that we are running, <laughs> running short of it. And I'm just, because uh, looking at your face, sounds like you have more to say. Um, and Yes, so much. I've so got to much. work on a very concise version of all of this. Well, no, I mean, I think, um, I think, uh, what you said is kind of amazing. And so maybe we should, um, you should keep, keep talking and we, we, um, we might have to do it as part two <laughs> or something. So, so, so yeah, so keep telling me, keep going, keep going with what you want to say. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, let's see. So, you know, picking up, um, where I left off, um, you know, the, the event, um, so kind of coming to the, the end there, I definitely, there's been dialogue, you know, about how to, to make that happen again. This, this was back in, in March, um, you know, and March of, and, and, and March of this, of this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, it's, it's definitely possible to, that it will happen again next year, especially since it's it's already you know has a has a name to it. Um, wow, that would be really something to have it have it keep going. I mean, it would make a it'd be a whole other kind of impact to have there be continuity. I, I, absolutely, and I I definitely think that that's um, that that's feasible. Um, and uh, in terms of the the dialogue session, so the that that first group that got together um, wanted you know to keep to keep going to do it again, and it was really you know amazing to see that uh, motivation, which is something I saw in the event too on those evaluations, um, which I was, I was hoping to see among some of them was a motivation to participate in some form of activism in, in the community, um, you know, for people that, that weren't involved. Um, so this did, did seem to spur some motivation, um, and so I, I ended up trying to hold another, another dialogue, uh, session a couple months later, um, and I had, you know, much, much lower turnout. Um, and I would say, you know, definitely I'm, I'm learning, uh, lessons about, um, outreach, outreach strategies. I really didn't, um, I didn't do quite enough, enough outreach for that, you know, and I'm, I'm stepping back and thinking, about um, you know why why is that what's the what's a way to to incentivize um, participating in something like that something that's not you know a, a free fun celebratory event is going to be a little bit different than um, you know a an event where we're we're sitting and and discussing uh something and and you know how to make that even more inclusive that the dialogue group was diverse but it it wasn't as diverse as i i wanted it to be um did you by the way did you ever use the word peace building or uh in in your interactions with the community um, you know what? It, it's funny. I, I did. Uh, I did sometimes. Um, I found that 
really at first when I was presenting my idea before all of this came to fruition, I was using the word peace building and I was using uh, peace building jargon a lot. And I found that it was just so foreign to some people that it was more confusing to them than being productive. And I had to keep changing my language um, Mm -hmm. and simplifying what it was that I was saying. And it took a lot of practice and mess ups and, you know, kind of turning people off. What is, what is she doing here? You know, Um, peace building, what the hell? Right. And conflict assessment. And yeah, it was so I, yeah, I really had to kind of change. I didn't really use that language. Um, as much anymore it it was more uh you know community building um you know cross-cultural exchange and and things like that um so um so anyway I'm I'm you know currently sort of in the midst of figuring out whether or not um, I want to, uh, you know, the, the event is another thing, but if I want this dialogue uh, group to to continue to try to meet, um, do I want to, you know, to re- restructure it? You know, is there, is there value, one of my big questions, um, is there value in just discussing something or does it have to be, uh, productive can the, can the product be just the the discussion itself um mm-hmm. you know how much does that get done mm-hmm. should i sort of fuse it with there's other other projects that are happening that are similar um and you know i'm a big proponent of you know as as a as a peace builder i guess i don't want to go somewhere and and set up shop without you know saying what's already happening here and how can I maybe support or add to it rather than always trying to do my own, here's my own thing that I'm starting, you know, that's part of doing a, a conflict assessment. Hey, Lizzie, um, you know, what would you say is the difference between P- what you're doing and community organizing? Um, well, I guess that from what I see often in community organizing, um, the, the objective of community organizing, um, is to, to bring, bring people together, uh, to, to tackle a specific problem. Um, and for me, I guess, peace building uh, would be different in that it's it's bringing the community together in order to bring the community together that's the purpose of it not I don't want to say bringing the community together because that's the problem because it's it's not a I don't want to frame it that way but it's the the process of bringing people together is just as important as, as the outcome. You know, it's, yeah, I, I see it as more of a a process oriented, um, 
approach. And and there are, there are many, I don't want to generalize, but many community organizing initiatives that, that sort of bring, uh, bring people together that are being <clears throat> affected by something and then they kind of pin... Um, pin themselves against whoever they think is causing it's, it's more adversarial mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i don't want to say that about every every group but i do notice that a lot in in the, the community organizing that i see around mm -hmm. around the city yep it's mm -hmm. yep it's very mm -hmm. okay we're in this together and they're the the sort of the enemy mm -hmm. yes yeah, so <clears throat> so you assessed some of the impact but now like so, do you? It sounds like this might be an organic place to go to. Uh, what worked? What didn't work? What you would do differently next time? Does that sound like a place to go? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so, I would definitely say. Well, I I would start by saying that there was one of the ch the of course the challenges for me, and this is very, um, you know. <sighs> common situation for for peace builders um uh, or anybody that's that's doing any type of uh, work of of this nature um you know grappling with their their identity um especially because i was uh you know part technically part of one of the the identity groups that i was uh you know trying to to work with in in my project and you know what did that mean in terms of my bias but also uh you know i had to be cognizant of the fact that i couldn't just waltz into one of in one of these community-based organizations as I did um, and knowing my identity as a gentrifier myself and expect that people were going to to trust that I really was there to do yeah. something beneficial for them mm -hmm. as, as the community you know so um, it again it language it took me many tries to get it to uh to frame it um it sort of in a in a way that got my got my message um across um but and I can't even say that it that it always did I I was at one um meeting for example at an an organization a, a Latino rights organization <clears throat> and uh, one of the lead organizers said to me, um, we were just sitting around and we were allowed to ask each other questions. She said, we have so many students, this is in Spanish, um, young people that come, they observe us, they, they take their notes for their research and they leave and that's it. And she said, you know, what are you, what are you giving back to us? And, Fair question. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And you know, I, I just said, first of all, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm staying, and I, I'm here because I, I want to give. That's, that's why I'm here. And that was kind of what just the answer that that came out. And mm -hmm. I, and, and she heard it, but I didn't really feel that. Um, her receptivity to me changed or, or from other people, um, through what I said to them, but through, uh, be, 
being there and consistently being there and showing that I was willing to give my time. That was like, you know, I, I think that was the most valuable thing that I could give was showing I, I was there to, to give my time, to offer, to offer my help um, when, when they asked for it. Um, and, you know, I wasn't going to just throw money at them you know, I was, I was going to be there to be a part of it. Um, so that, that was something that did, that did seem to, to work for me. Um, and I would also say that, um, being honest and transparent, um, uh, not just of my intention, but of, of myself, um, and my vulnerabilities and my insureness that seemed to help, uh, sometimes too. I had a one a, a long time, um, like someone who's born and raised here, who's an activist in the community, often around anti-gentrification, who said to me that she was, you know, she was very suspicious of me at first, um, but she felt a level of trust when I uh, came out and said, yes, I am a gentrifier. I, yes, I know that I am white and I know that that means certain things. And I, and as I said before, I know I can't just walk in to any space that I want to here and expect, um, you know, to, to be trusted or to have a certain privilege. Um, and she, she felt that she said no one, she hadn't heard someone say that mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, when I expressed my, my insureness, I said, you, you know, and other people in this community know a lot more about what's going on here than I do. I'm, I'm just, I'm just beginning to learn. I'm the student, um, you know, yes, at, at school, but I'm, I'm here to learn, to learn from you, um, while I'm trying to give back mm -hmm. something. So, um, you know, that, that definitely, that seemed to help to create um, some of those, those connections that I wanted and needed um, to build. And, and she, you know, she, another thing too, she said, you, you, you came to kind of build, build with us rather than around us, which is what I was, I was trying to do, as I mentioned earlier, to, to enter in a way uh, that, looked at what was already going on around me, um, you know, to really enact the conflict sensitivity principles and the, the appreciative principles that I was preaching in my research, you know, to see what was already happening that was good around me and try to be a part of it through my project rather than, you know, imposing something completely new and isolated. Um, which is, you know, I think a matter of, of practicality, it works better, but also a matter of, of respect and dignity of, mm -hmm. you know, what people are, are, are already doing here. Um, and you know, what, what didn't work, um, I think that, um, as I, as I mentioned before, um, or maybe what you would do differently. Yeah. Yes. What I, what I would do, what I would do differently, um, 
I would do an even greater, greater time um, kind of assess, assessing and planning how uh, I could make a project like this even, even bigger and even more diverse um, and, uh, you know, in a way that creates, um, creates some sort of structure that's more sustainable. Not to say that there isn't a legacy from this, um, but I think that a lot of, that, that was the biggest request from my, my evaluations was just, was something even bigger. Um, and what could you imagine, like now, when you think about it, like what could you imagine would be more, would, would have been bigger or would have been more sustainable? Well, I think that um, in you know, in terms of the the event, uh, again, it goes the event and the you know the dialogue group. It goes to outreach. I mean, the out. I, I can't say the the turnout was great. There was over a hundred and fifty people wow. at this event, wow. and there was about seventeen at this first um, dialogue session. But you know, I. Um, I got myself to thinking, you know, what can I do to get even more people and to, you know, have, it was super diverse at the event, um, but there were still some sort of people from certain kind of cultures and identity groups that I didn't see there, that I would have liked to see there. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, that second uh dialogue group that I held, the, the turnout was low. And, the, you know, that really comes to outreach strategies. Um, how are you, how are you framing um, your materials? Where are you leaving them? You know, are you, are you leaving them in, in cafes where newer residents go? Or are you leaving them in laundromats? And it's very, it took so much, so much work to, uh, get the outreach that I did and the turnout for that big event. So how do I, if I want to have this dialogue session every month, how, how do I get the, the people to come when, when it takes that much, you know, to, to get people there? And when you have in a neighborhood where a huge majority of the people aren't online, you, you really have to take that physical time to go drop flyers, to talk to people in person to person, which is, it's, it's beautiful and has peace building value in and of itself. Um, but there's also the, you know, how can I do this efficiently? Um, well, and how can you, I mean, a question that um, is th sort of the business aspect of all this always is something that I'm asking people is, is how can you, how can you make a living? How can mm -hmm. you support yourself? How, how are you supporting yourself doing this? Are you getting grant? How is this, how's that working? No, everything, um, that I've done here has, has been, you know, completely voluntary. And mm -hmm. I did, you know, I did spend, some of my own personal money on the event, which, you know, absolutely, um, I would do it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, there's definitely the, that technical 
part to this. If I would, you know, I need to, if I were to do this event again, I would have to think about, okay, what, what can I do to get um, grants or, you know, a, some sort of donor connection? Because I, you know, we can't just pay out of our, our pockets for things if, if we want to make it bigger and right. more, more systemic the next time around. Right. You know, so... Um, so that's my, my vision question. I think I told you I was going to ask a money question and a vision question. And the vision question is, is um, it's, so do you want to do this? So, so would you do this? It sounds like you are wanting to do this again. You are wanting this to, um, I mean, what's exciting you now? Like what's, what's exciting you as you move forward? Either about this project or about peace building in general. Well, um, you know, so I am, I'm currently um, involved in volunteering at um, community-based organizations here in, in Bushwick. Um, and I'm also in, involved in a couple other projects um, that do, you know, kind of bridge these these sort of identity lines um so i'm i'm at that point of okay do i just keep kind of dabbling in other projects um or do i you know as i said earlier do i try to keep building this thing of my of my own um but i feel i'm i'm trying to carve out a career for my myself right now um and i'm looking for uh, a job where I can continue to do this kind of work in some capacity here in the in in Bushwick or around uh, this the city, um, and it you know it might not be called peace building per se, um, but it might be something else. Um, but it and, will have the the relational component. It will have rather than the advocacy component. It will have the component of bringing, bringing different stakeholder groups together so that you're actually weaving threads between them and building relationships between them. Yes, that's, that's what I would like. That's um, absolutely what I'm, um, what I'm passionate about. Um, but it's, you know, that, that language and field I'm seeing as, as being more, it's acknowledged, um, more in the international community now um, and just, you know, just recently. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not seeing, uh, you know, for someone like myself that wants to do more local peace building work, you know, not through the UN um, or the federal government. Where, you know, where is my my place to, to be, to be a peace builder, to do, as you just said, to, to find a job where I can weave these relationships. I think I, I have to get, get creative. And I think you have to create the job, <laughs> <laughs> create the job and get an organization to realize that they need to fund you to do it. And I bet they're, I bet they're out there. I bet they're out there because it's incredibly valuable. What you're doing is incredibly valuable. And it's, it's got a different flavor from more advocacy kinds of organizing. Uh, it's a, it's a very different kind of thing. So it's, um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 um, I, I think, I think you'll find it <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. 
I, I think so too. And it's, you know, it's a matter of, um, you know, convincing, showing people that it does, it does matter. Why does, why does the relationship matter between gentrifiers and longtime residents, mm-hmm. for example? What is, what good does that do? Well, it does look at the, look at the event, for example, you've had, you had organizations saying that they were going to change their approach to be, to be more inclusive. You had people expressing motivation to, to take up, um, activism. So you see by, by creating these relationships, these networks, you were putting more resources and more diverse energy into, uh, these organizations and, and structures. And, you know, so it's, it's resource building and creating opportunities for innovation. Um, you know, so there is something, there is something really valuable about it. So, um, still, so a, a closing question, um, is, is, you know, the peace building field is a pretty new field, really. Um, I mean, I don't know how many years do you think it's been alive, uh, under the, under the banner of peace building, but what would you say? Like, well, um, again, it's kind of like a, you know, a a terminology thing, but I, I think, you know, like, Galtung sort of started it in the 70s and then it was um the the word peace building um I believe was used um at the UN in the the early 90s um and then you had the the peace building commission um created at the UN in uh 2000 or the early 2000s I think um so uh, yeah, it's very, very, very new if we're talking, yeah, in the... So what's your, I guess my question is, what's your uh, trajectory for the field? Like, where do you see it headed? Where, you know, what do you think, where would you like to be in five years? And where do you think the field will be in, let's say, 20 years? <sighs> well, <clears throat> I... Um, I definitely, uh, definitely want to be, um, in this field and not, you know, I'm still, uh, not quite sure if it's going to be internationally or if it's going to be still, uh, sort of local as, as I am doing right now. Um, and I would like to, another thing I'm also grappling with is, um, I, I'd like to do programmatic sort of design and management, but I'm really a, a direct um, social service uh, person, direct social interaction, you know, so how do I, how do I make a, a, make a living, as you said, out of, out of doing that, out of mm-hmm. doing that real grassroots mm-hmm. uh, work, you know, that's, um, that's the, the thing that I'm, I'm debating right now. And in terms of the, the peace building field, I think that the, the importance of having people that specialize in peace building is really, is, it's going to continue to grow. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, we need, um, as, sort of our understanding of what conflict and what peace is as those change and and you know now uh we have these these sort of um violent 
actors that are now networks that uh, transcend uh, territorial boundaries. Um, you you mean know, like have, ISIS? Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. we have... Um, we have urbanization. Um, we don't have as many, uh, you know, direct invasions. We have proxy, more proxy wars. And I'm, I'm talking now, you know, on the international level, you know, I think there's this, um, this, this recognition that, uh, the hu- human human interaction, um, is, is evolving and the, the, the nature of of conflict, I guess, is is evolving. Even though I, you know, I see conflict is a is a, on a, a spectrum. I'm careful with the way that I use that word, but there's a, you know, a a recognition at the international policy level that we need people that really specialize um, in looking at, uh, you know, not just uh, what the militaristic and security uh, answer is to to violence, um, especially when, you know, as we just said, when we have networks of, of violent actors um, that, you know, military response doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, fit the bill for we need people that can do these these holistic mapping <laughs> assessments and look at all of the the, the factors um, the economic factors and and cultural factors that are that are creating um, and incentivizing violence um, and that's you know that's what what peace builders are um, they can look at the the whole picture and then you know say how can how can we rework relationships and uh, rework some of these systems and institutions um, in a way that improves relationships improves um, physical security um, and yeah, I, I absolutely think it will it will keep growing. Now I and and do you think, Lindsay? You know, I asked you the the, the the lofty question about the compelling vision for a world where violent conflict had become essentially an anachronism. Um, do you? What do you think we do with ourselves? I mean, why is this? When do you have a vision that you could share uh, with the listeners of? where we could be headed with this like you know what could a more peaceful why and why aim for that i mean i think um you kind of have to have a compelling vision and i know it's it it could sound quaint to even describe it but do, do you i'm curious about your vision for um something that really compels you about a more peaceful world and what we would do with ourselves would people be bored would they be would they be engaged? What would it be like? Well, I think that that's, that's a problem of how we think about sort of this dichotomy of, of peace uh, and war. We think of, of war um, as being active and peace as a, a state of inactivity. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, it really what peace means, um, and I'm kind of taking a, a little bit of a definition from Robert Rossigliano, um, is, is 
healthy levels of human development. So it means constant growth. It means collaboration, exchange, uh, the sharing of resources and knowledge um, across lines of diversity, um, which is what really leads to true innovation, um, you know, and that leads to bigger, better, more, more profitable uh, structures and, and resources. Um, so to me, peace is this, that constant cycle um, of, of sharing and exchange and, and development and learning. Um, whereas to me, war and violence, um, that is what reinforces differences um, and division and really inhibits uh, creativity and social growth. Um, so that's, you know, that's my, my, my vision of, of peace. Um, and there's always, peace is going to include conflict. Conflict is a, you know, a natural part of of human interaction, and we learn we learn from conflict um, as well. Um, but uh, that doesn't necessarily have to mean uh, violent conflict, and that can be physically violent, or it can be structurally violent. You know, d discrimination um, and and biases and. Um, so forth, um, but it can mean peace. Peace can mean having healthy, healthy levels of of conflict um, for for learning and growth. Um, uh, but yes, the the, the co constant evolution of learning and lear yeah. and learning together. Um, that was a very long-winded answer. No, <laughs> it's an excellent answer, and mm -hmm. and I really thank you. Uh, we have to end here, but it's just been so interesting listening to you and listening to the path you've been on your journey. And if people want to get in touch with you, Lindsay, um, how would they? I'll put. I'll, I'd like to put it on the website. But what would they? What would be the best way to reach you? Um, definitely by, by email. Um, it's, uh, LC as in Lindsay Cornelio, 2799 at nyu.edu. Um, and thank you NYU for letting me keep that email address for yeah, the rest yeah. of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. So listen, thank you so much. I'm sorry that we've been fighting the time. This story just could, I mean, I definitely need to get you back on here to talk more deeply about this and also to see where you're headed with the next, you know, how this unfolds and, and uh, because um, you are really an inspiration and have a lot to say about this. So um, really yeah. thank you, Lindsay, for joining us. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to, to speak with you um, as a very, very wise and experienced practitioner yourself. So it's such an honor to be here. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks so much, Susan. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the Peace Building Podcast. Check out thepeacebuildingpodcast.com for show notes and for more great information and resources. 
We like your feedback, comments, and suggestions. Please email them to Susan Common at Susan at the Peacebuilding Podcast.com. And come join us again for next week's episode for more great thinking, innovations, and ideas to take our planet to the next level.